0: Hello and welcome to Open All Ours. Uh, if you didn't know already, uh, we have the gaffer with us tonight, Mark Warburton. Um, so I'm going to keep the other introductions for us mere mortals brief. Uh, I'm joined at the moment by Paul Finney.
1: You're right.
0: Very well. Charlie Wise. Nice to be back on. Uh, nice to have you back on. And shortly, um, Niall Rogers, uh, once he's finished uh, tuning up his guitar, will also be joining us. No, it's not that Niall Rogers, but just another another person, the same name. Anyway, um, as well as the usual outlets, the video of this podcast is also going to be on Charlie's Talking Rangers site as well. Um, so you can see us in the flesh, which might be quite horrifying for some. Niall is just joining us now, but we shall crack on. You can um, see with so, my
1: sexy
0: headphones. <laughs> so Mark, how are you, first of all?
2: Uh yeah, it's been a, a disappointing evening last night, obviously. And um looking at the game back and doing what you have to do the day after a game, simple as that, really. Uh and look closely at it and, and uh try and prepare for the weekend and make sure we, we change it and improve the performance. So that's that's stating the obvious.
0: Yeah. I mean I'd I'd like to just start. We've got a few questions from Twitter as well, but we'll go round first and then we'll bring in the um the uh, the, the the Twitter questions. But yeah, I'd first would like to start by asking, do you think we're victims of our own success? And by, by that, I mean, if we'd had like a little blip, say three seasons ago, when we were consolidating 16th place, um, people wouldn't have got quite so emotional about it?
2: Yeah, I think that's a big point. I think the expectation is massive now. In terms of what, at the start of this season, I think you guys chatted on what, what represents a good season. And we said, well, we came ninth last year, two points or seventh. I'd be foolish not to say, got to try and push for the playoffs. And that was really clear. That's never changed. And then suddenly teams around us start dropping points and we're looking, there's a chance of automatic and suddenly anything other than automatic is now deemed a failure or not good enough. And, you know, as I say, the boys and the boys are human. They've been, they're the ones who got us where we are now. And we had a, had a little pop last night when someone mentioned about, you know, what, what needs to be done. The fact is we've had two bad performances but they're human, and over the course of a season it's going to happen. Teams are going to drop points. We now enter the final stage of the business end of the season, and we go third if we win our game in hand. At the start of the season, I'm sure everyone in this call would have been more than happy with that scenario, but suddenly, as I say, expectation changes the whole, the whole dynamic of it. Okay, Paul?
1: Yeah, I mean, I went to... Um, sorry, evening, Mark. Sorry. Evening, Paul. Um, I went to Barnsley and Millwall, and It's hard to put my finger on it, so it must be equally frustrating for you and for the players. It's just, I didn't think we got going in either game, but also that we seem to have lost a wee bit of belief. Now, is that down to two things? Were the home matches, the crowd have been a little bit quieter than normal in the last couple of home matches? Or is the expectations getting to the players as well from the fans, if that makes sense? I mean, there just seems to be something that just went a wee bit wrong. And it is probably a blip, but I'm just something that I noticed. Well, I think do do? I think also,
2: Paul, we've got to realise that at the end, everyone says to me how oh, we were so good in the, last, in the second half of last season. But I think people, we were 19th, 20th, and people had forgotten about QPR. They didn't bother about preparing for QPR. They weren't seen as, as being a dangerous team. And suddenly, we were hurting teams. We were going away and winning games. We had a good run, I think the second best in the country. And, and we finished where we finished. And people underestimated QPR. That's not going to happen this year. So they're going to look at what we do well. Can we stop Johansson? Can we stop Chair and Willett? Can we make sure the centre-forwards, Austin, Dykes, Gray, etc. aren't given time and space? Can you stop them playing out through the two centre-halves? All of these things, are not going to let us play, Paul. So I, th- I think it's really a, a compliment to the players that teams are now preparing far better to play against us, knowing that if they don't, we, we possess a weaponry to hurt them for want of a better expression. But I watched
1: the be- interview Sorry, I'll, I'll cook this, but ask a quick question. I watched the interview after the match last night and you seemed quite upset. The dressing room from reading through the lines seemed mm-hmm. upset because one thing we've said all along about this team of players is that they care, they do give a shit, they don't just go out there and lose. And, and you could tell the reaction of Barbay and Jimmy Dunn last night and others that they went off the pitch hurting. What was that dressing room like? Um, at, you're now speaking to QPR fans rather than press people. Um, what was it like?
2: Well, it is. I mean, very often, Paul, you have to time it right. What you learn as a manager and a coach is the players need time to speak themselves. So you can walk in after, you know, you thank always thank the fans. And by the time you walk in and that, you can hear some heated voices. And that's the time when you let them get on with it. You know, you, you don't barge in there because they, they shut up and let them speak. It's important. They're the ones in the middle of it all doing it. So let them speak. There are some angry voices raised quite rightly. Opinions are put forward. And that's what you have to do. And when it gets to the point where you step in, then you open the door and then you go and you give your piece. But as I said to you, Paul, times are changing with players and how they respond, how they react. You don't go in there shouting, screaming, yelling, throwing cups of tea around as, as they do 25 years ago. It's a different environment now. But they care. You know, you and I have spoken before, the players, to a man, genuinely care. I spoke to a lot of them today, individually, and you can tell how frustrated they are and they feel they've let the side down and they've let the supporters down and, you know, all of these various comments. And of course, it's a, it's a post-game feeling when you've had a bad result. But but they care about what what the club are doing, the direction it's going in, and what they, what they care about where the club needs to get to. You know, they, they're not stupid, Paul. They don't want to just finish and goal. We came eighth, one better than last year. That's good enough. No, they want to take the club to the next level. Uh, and they're frustrated that last night was a point, an opportunity rather, that we gave away. So there's 15 games left, Paul. A lot of points to play for.
3: Charlie. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Mark. Uh, very much Did appreciate it. it. I just wanted to come on to sort of Chris's point where he kind of mentioned, and as you, as you briefly touched upon, Becoming victims of our own success, and I think, as as you rightly mentioned, how how well we did, you know, the tail end of last season when, you know, things weren't going too great, and we turned it around and we ground out those results, and and you know, and the start of this season we had a fantastic start. Oh, sorry, and it's still fantastic now. Sorry, let me just word that right. But <laughs> what the, I think, you know, from my perspective now is with this element of you know maybe overachieving and and um, victims of our own success comes this shift in in expectation, but also the the mindset of the players where you know, of course, there's pressure on, on championship players, there's, there's pressure from QPR fans from, from any you know any season or what have you. But when we start to, to perform as well as we have, it brings this this demand that, you know, as we talk about victim's own success, how do sort of, what is the physiological state, the, psych- sorry, the psychological state um, of the players at the moment where now the demand each week is so much higher than what there was last season? And as well, you've got players that, of course, we've got a lot. You know, we've got some real experienced heads in there at championship level, but we have got a lot of younger players that that while they may have some championship sp- experience in previous years, they haven't got championship experience of of fighting for promotion. It, from my perspective, it's a completely different mindset. Ha- mindset. How are they sort of coping with that transition that we've seen lately towards demanding, you know, new enough winning every game as, as how our form has been at the moment?
2: I think what we have to do is is, is give them a realistic picture. That where would you rather be? Would you rather be Barnsley or Reading-Peterborough tonight fighting at relegation? Would you rather be Derby with the points deduction and dealing with that? Would you rather be 15th playing 16th? No, and you're not really going to go down, but top 10 too far to reach. Or would you like to mean that every single game you go into has a consequence? So I think you've got to look at it and go, you know, what, what do the supporters do? Supporters follow their team home and away. They have barren seasons where those games mean nothing or they have a relegation fight and they're sitting there and chewing their fingernails. And then along comes a good season or you hope you have two or three good seasons and you've got to make sure you enjoy that. You've got to enjoy being good players. You've got to enjoy the challenge. You've got to relish the challenge if you don't. And I think it goes for any line of work. I know in my old, I tell a story about the boys in in the old work where we would have um, big American economic figures come out at 1.30, 8.30 US time. And you looked around the desk and there was half the boys who were, couldn't wait because they knew it was going to be volatile and they knew it was going to be up and down and over the place and there was a chance for them to make money. And the other half was thinking, oh, God, I could lose everything here. And it was two different mindsets to the same economic release. And is it half – is a glass half full? Is a glass half empty? We've got to adopt the half-full approach. We've got to make sure we go out and have no regrets. That's key for us. If we go out and play if – we, if we had to give everything at Millwall, given the lot, had nothing left in the changing room and still lost the game – you can hold your heads up high and say, that's fine. That's one of those days. didn't go our way. Bad call, bad decision, whatever it may be. But that's the key. Have no regrets. So I think in answer to your question, we've got to paint a psychological picture that is, we're in a great position. You'd far rather be in now. Enjoy where we are. And if you go out there and, and ha- you have no regrets coming into the season, we will be in a fantastic position.
3: Yeah. And just just kind of, just coming back onto that, what what is your current um, sort of standpoint and what do you project onto the players? Is it you know, the the cliche of taking every game as it comes and, and segmenting it down, or as you mentioned, you know, we're one win away from going third. Are you projecting that onto the players? Look, we're in this position now. Each win is so increment, instrumental to, to mounting that promotion charge. What is the sort of balance? Because like you say, you need to keep the, the players grounded and understand that we're in a great position. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's easy to kind of get caught up in each little piece of the puzzle that can mount to such a great, a great picture. What is What sort of balance are you sort of trying to go for? Because at the same time, each win is so important, but if you're not if you're not projecting that the the hope and the aspiration, which I'm, I'm sure you are, of getting that promotion, um, then you know what are those? What is the the purpose of segmenting each win into each segment? What is the sort of balance you're projecting at the moment?
2: Well, firstly, firstly, that word balance is the key word. You've got to make sure you 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 do paint the true picture. The, the players aren't stupid. You're look at it and make them aware. Listen, the work you've done thus far has put you in a position. That the ultimate goal is within touch and distance, you're right in the mix first of all, so you paint that picture, hence the consequence of every game, hence the expectation of the fans, but at the same time, you paint a picture, so you might put up another team's fixtures, for example, and say, "Look at the games they face. That team there is going to play every team around us apart from us. What does that mean? What's the consequence of that? It means teams have to drop points. So in terms of the gap opening up between 6th and 7th, for example, teams have to drop points. So if you have a bad performance, because there's no team without tempting fate going to go on with 15 out of 15. So therefore you look at it and say teams will drop points and so have bad runs. You look around and teams have gone, Blackburn have had a tough one. West Brom had a tough run, Stoke had a tough one. Bournemouth had a tough run. So we've lost two games. But prior to that, we were 17 out of 21 and any team in the country would love to take that. So it's that word balance. Yes, you you, you excite them, you galvanise them, look at what's on offer, look what we can achieve, look what we can, every game has a consequence, has a meaning for the fans and everyone involved. But at the same time, level head, you know, don't worry about the expectation, getting the playoffs still, it's keeping that balance and use the perfect word. And that's our job. And, you know, I'll give a shout out here to John Eustace. He's been there as a player and done it and and I, I could be good cop, he can be bad cop, and vice versa. You sort of have a go at the players and you reel it back in and you show the positive side of it. The psychological aspect into the last end of the season is everything, is absolutely everything. Get that side of it right and it can make a huge difference. It really can. Could
1: I just say one thing before Chris? Sorry, Chris. Sorry, big man. I just want to say this quickly. Um, I was quite shocked and saddened by the booze, Mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. And being honest, what did you and the boys think of that? Because yeah. um, pe- pe- people pay their money. I'm not criticising they can do what they want. I felt over the season, it's unfair. It doesn't help. And I couldn't quite grasp why people did it. Disappointment. Yes, but booing. I don't understand.
2: No, and I, I listen, I, I agree with you. It's a long journey. It's expensive to follow the team. You guys know better than anyone what it's like to do. And, and they, they pay their money. And they, that's the choice of a football fan. I did, I must admit, Paul, I'm with you. I looked at it and went, come on, gents. We've, as a team, I think you see every single player go and thank the fans. Win, lose, or draw, they go and thank the fans. They always do it. They, you, know, you see the shirts being given away. That's not a token gesture, Paul. That's that's the, the bond between the players and the fan base and vice versa. So that was a, a difficult moment when you hear that. But you have to sit back and go, listen, it's their money. It costs them a lot to follow the team. It's their choice. But I think the stronger we can make the bond, I said in the programme notes today, you know, it's important that don't allow expectation to, 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 to change the whole picture of what we've done so far. It's been a great relationship from the first game. The fans home and away have been magnificent. Everyone's enjoyed each other, so to speak. Don't ruin it now as we go into the business end of the season.
0: OK, uh, Niall, uh, welcome, by the way. Uh, yes, what would you like to ask Mark? And then I'll get into some Twitter questions.
4: All right, thanks, Chris. Um, hi, Mark. Hey, Niall, um, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. I was um, I was just really reflecting on kind of how much fun this season has been up to now. January was brilliant fun. Um, You know, every game just just blew us away. We we you know we got lucky in Coventry. And do you think there's there's an element of kind of the first half of the season catching up on us at the moment? We've got. You know, we're six weeks into the year. We've played 10 games already. We've got another, you know, seven games in February altogether. We've, You know, is everything kind of catching up a little bit, do you think?
2: No, I don't think catching up. I think the demands of the championship, Niall, no, are, are made clear. I'll probably hark on about it too much, but I don't hark on in a negative sense. I'm trying to say that these are athletes, you know, and when they have to play, you know, six games in 17 days, there's a consequence to that level of demand. You saw Lee Wallace pull up. Last night, you know, and again, Mm. other players, tightness and soreness and a lot of boys in the training ground today getting treatment and um, it's just placing massive demands on each and every squad. And that's when I say when you see some teams really heavily invest and go into it and, and, and buy players, you wonder why they're doing it sometimes it can be a very smart move on many occasions it can be a disastrous move but I think it's that depth of quality that you have to have because players are going to fall they're going to be suspensions there's going to be injuries there's going to be little dips in form and sometimes players need to come out for one or two games just to give them a recharge you know and, and like we're looking after players I've said to I've said to the guys before there'll be question marks from fans why are you taking him off he's our best player on the, on the day but medically, It's an hour. We can get away with an hour. After that, we risk him for four or six weeks if we lose him. So it's just making sure we're privy to information that you as supporters are not privy to, but there's always a reason why we're doing it. We're not taking a guy on a hat-trick who's flying. We're not going to take him off for the sake of it. We're doing it for, for hopefully for the right good of the team.
0: Okay, Mark. Um, Yeah, let's just go into a few of these. Um, Right, there's a Keith Stroud one, which I think we'll leave for now. Uh. Uh, (laughs) Whatever it is, I
2: agree with the comment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, okay, Clive Williams says Think Warbs is the best manager we've had in a long, long time But dropping Amos after that Reading game really puzzles me
2: No, fair enough It's it's about the squad Luke did really, really well uh, He's a player, as you know it's come back from injury And is so uh, desperate to kick on now His career He's, he's lost a, a number of months, years with, with the ACLs um, did it do well, yes it was just us using the squad and looking at the, the opponent and we have to look at the opponent we, you know, teams are going to try and stop us and we've got to look how do we hurt the opponent so it was a choice it's always my call but there's, you know, we, we're trying to apply some logic to it it wasn't one of those random ones let's throw him in we've got to try and give people valuable pitch time to make sure they're ready so for example Dion Sanderson getting 90 at Peterborough gets invaluable pitch time gets used to playing Rob Dickey's now suspended so it, it, it just, it just, we're just trying to do these various things. It's not trying to sound smart, Chris, or anything like that. It's just trying to do what we can to make sure the squad's prepared.
0: OK, mate. Um, now Connor Wells uh, and Jaden and Baker and Tom all make a similar point. Given the last few games, are you happy with the current system or would you consider changing it? I feel the current three at the back setup isn't working.
2: Yeah, I, I, I've got to go back at them a little bit and go, is that the same formation that got them to where they are now? And and then because a couple of games goes wrong, and they go change it. It's not working. Go to a four. Go to three up top. And and all I'm saying is this is a knee jerk reaction that that is listen, football fans. That's what the game we love about. We talk about it over a pint, and everything's great. But but the fact is, we look at our players that we have. We look at the injury situation. Look at the availability uh, and what suits us. And also in terms of training, because of this game schedule right now, we are playing recovering light play recover light like, that's all we do we, we don't actually get a chance to train so in terms of going back and work on the shape when i first came here if you remember i'm an avid 433 all my career basically 4231 and variations within and it was change it change it when we change it now you lose two games and go back to the four come on come on gents you know so it's about making sure that we um we do what we do well do it even better if we possibly can
0: yeah, I mean, I heard a few people uh, last night saying, you know, as we were leaving Mill, were saying, oh, teams have sussed us out. They've sussed us out now. they worked out how we play. Well, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? No, that's,
2: and I said the earlier question from Chris and Paul is teams are now not going to let us play. I think there's, there's certain aspects to a game. Look at the Reading game. They go, oh, it was different, Reading. We scored early. We scored early. And that means the team has to come out and get something back from the game. And as they open up, then we know we have the firepower to hurt teams. And we and obviously we did that. Think of the Luton game a couple of years back. We were three up in 20 minutes, I think it was, and it could have been six or seven. When teams are going to do that, they're not going to let us do that home or away now. They're going to look at how do you stop Ilias? How do you stop Chris? How do you stop our center forwards? You know, push onto the wing back, stop them getting in, delivering balls. Albert and some great balls in and Chrissy for the goals. Well, how do we stop them doing that? So I think what we have to do is just do what we do better, move the ball quicker, be brave in our positioning, have one or two new patterns, um, and and solve some problems. Because right now, there's no doubt our performance have dipped over the last three or four games. Um, teams have have pushed on to us. We've got to work out a way to find a solution, simple as that.
0: Okay, mate. Um, I'll just do a couple more of these, and I'll go back to the to the lads. Uh, square Prank Genre says, in the training videos, we always see the players practising a fast attacking Pattern of play where we build through play across midfield, put it out wide, then across comes in for the strikers. Why is it then during games we are so laboured and never make that move?
2: Oh, I would, I would disagree. But then I say, I don't know how, how long you've got on this podcast, but <laughs> come on, have they watched some of the goals we've scored? Have they watched the Red So again in the Reading game, shifting through midfield, getting it out wide, up, back, and through? Albert's a great ball in goal. Chrissy, it's a great ball in goal. I'm not sure, without being rude, they're watching the same as what I'm watching them.
0: Yeah. Okay. And we'll move on to this one, then we'll go back to the lads. Uh, Malcolm, Jacober, Sam Pryor, QPR Report, Reese, Phil Newman, and Ronnie T all make similar points. How close were we to signing a striker in January? And would you like to bring in more players during the window?
2: It's about you'll be really careful. I'm I'm sure all your guys in respective businesses that you work in, it's about getting the balance right to use Charles's word there. Um so the dressing room is a really, I'm saying delicate place. It, it, these guys are together for so many hours of so many days of the week, etc. Hotels, travelling. You've got to make sure the dynamic is right in the dressing room and, and the role of the senior players, how they encourage and mentor the younger ones. If you get that wrong, Chris, that dressing room can turn sour very, very quickly. You know, players have got to see, if, if players are in there and you have four or five strikers and there's no sight of the first team and you're not even travelling on the bus, you've got a very disgruntled, disheartened, potentially toxic individual. In the dressing room. And, and you, uh, you can say well, that's your job to manage it. It is. But some situations you're dealing with competitive athletes and you've got to make sure you do what you can to get that balance right. So, you know, we've got in, in, in terms of strikers and goal options, look where our goals are coming from in terms of Lyndon and then Chrissy and Ilias and Albert, we're spreading the goals around. Um, so yeah, I think Jeff Hendricks was someone we never thought we'd get hold of. You, know, you look at his CV, he he can have a big part to play for us in the remaining twelve, fifteen games. I've got no doubt about that with his quality. Um David Marshall coming in, I thought he was our best player last night.
0: Yeah, definitely. And
2: has done outstandingly well for us. And I keep being asked a question about Senny. Yes, Senny, of course, is our number one. But you've got to respect the fact that David has come in and done an outstanding job. Yeah, be,
0: you, you can't oh, so. really you couldn't really nick the shirt off him now, could you? It'd be um, I mean, I mean, obviously, it's, it's what they say—the old cliche. It's a nice problem to have, I suppose, if you've got two quality goalkeepers to choose from. But,
2: yeah, it's a problem to have.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, hopefully Paul, back, back to you again, mate.
1: Well, that was that was kind of still to be thundery, but it was good to talk to Senny and uh Dave Marshall. Thing because again, Dave Marshall came in and people were thinking, well, he'll, he'll hold the sticks for a few weeks. Then he comes back and hopefully, but David's been outstanding in, from the first minute. But also he brings a lot of experience Mark, to the team as well. And he seems to well he talks a lot to the youngsters and things like that there. And if I'm sorry, I've just that's something I just noticed I was going say. My I haven't really got any criticisms as such because I think I'm looking at things for the overall sense of the season. But also I'm kind of thinking, as much as we want to bring more players in, are people forgetting that a few seasons ago we went shit or bust, let's be honest. For the Premier League to stay there, we nearly got we nearly bankrupt ourselves. We spent money that we never had. The press talked about this in embarrassing terms as having to hire wage building Dortmund, who went on to get the Champions League final that season. So I'm kind of I, I'm, I'm understanding that we're, we're being very careful, and I understand why we're holding back on the shoestrings and why, as you said, the balance the team. But I think our transfer policy's still been quite good. I I, I don't see. What other people are saying about strikers, I think in in, in Dykes we've got a quality player. I think in Austin, he's, he's, he's quality, Gray's quality. But as you say, it's a game time. But when we have everyone fit and found and in confidence, you've still got four quality strikers. Mark. That, that's the bit I'm trying to say. I don't understand why you could improve on that because to me, they're championship players. They're decent players. It's just a matter of scoring goals, confidence, winning games, and we're back to winning the game. So...
2: Paul, you're absolutely right, and I'll try and, try to and interrupt you. Oh, yeah, right. And again, sometimes, you know, going back to the earlier questions about how do we mix it up, how do we change it? Sometimes when you play up against, like a Millwall, for example, they want to mark two centre-forwards. Centre-halves love to have a, a man that can go and mark and smash to the back and win the header and kick and, and everything else. Um, so when you mix it up, when you might have, for example, a Linden, and then you have a, a Chrissy Willock working off of him and working around him with the freedom to go left, right, or centre, as you see him do on countless occasions – that poses more problems. Do the opposing centre halves like to come in with, with Chrissy Willock? Do they like to come and mark him tight in unfamiliar territory? If they do come in, that's a great opportunity for our two of our tens to stretch beyond our wing backs to go high. So there's there's various reasons why that if you you just don't want three, four, centre, four all the same. You want to mix it up a little bit. And I think we've got a nice blend, as you say, and teams are going to work hard to stop us now there's no doubt about that you know you've seen our set pieces have improved because there's a big area of the game that you have to try and focus on but I think if you get too many Paul as you say we've been we've been uh, very very conscious of the financial situation we've adhered to to all the spending limits I think we didn't go and buy anyone as you see you saw the loans two loans come in nice and easy Um, I think we've got to make sure that we keep the club in a really healthy state and if we can push on with what we got And so the fans can see that the club's being managed by Lee and the board really, really well. So I hope very much after what you guys have been through in terms of fans, you know, it's like when I was up at Glasgow Rangers, what the club went through in terms of relegation and you see a loyal fan base so desperate to get back to where they belong. Uh, And when they see the club being run properly and success coming from that, everyone's in a great state of mind, Paul. Um, Just
0: before we come on to Charlie, sorry, Paul, um, on that subject of strikers, uh, Linda Reardon said it on, on Twitter, and I was going to ask as well. Um, Sinclair Armstrong, what, what's the deal with like Everyone, you, you hear in the press that he's been linked to Man City and God knows who else. Yeah, is, and
2: is he ready for the first team? or? He's, he's trained once with the first team, Chris. And I'm saying this because I've got massive respect for young players who are fighting hard in this ruthless industry. I, I don't know, there's no one on this call who was on the media. I did a media session, normal press session, and I got asked by a journalist, you know, Mark, is it is now the time to bring in Sinclair Armstrong? He's got Inter Milan, Man City, Glasgow, Celtic. I think you name the club. There wasn't the a club that didn't want Sinclair Armstrong. After smashing loads of goals and ripping up his loan, I went, he went to Torquay, played eight games and scored two goals. You know, I said, I think his agent has been unbelievably active and very busy. Don't pile pressure on a young striker's shoulders. He's gone out to National League and played eight games. And suddenly I'm being asked questions about, you know, is he going to go for 20 mil? I've no idea. And it's just totally unnecessary. I won't use the word that I want to use. I'm sure you know what it is. But I look at it and go, come on, you're piling pressure on a young player who's already in a really tough industry. Let him develop. Let him see how he gets on. His next loan will be key. How he goes out, how he performs. If you've got a, a dumb polished diamond there, fantastic. Great. But don't don't spoil the guys, the young guys' journey before it's even begun, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, just sorry, I will come to you. Chad. Does does Solskjaer ever get him, ever come down to the training ground and uh, work with any of the strikers, or does he stay in the boardroom?
2: No, Les, isn't, he comes to the training ground regularly. Of course, he has his offices there, but you know he, he has his work to do as technical director. I've done that job. It's a busy job. Yeah. You know? so, it's, so we have enough coaches. You don't forget, you got like Neil Banfield's worked at Arsenal for 22 years under Arsenal all the way through. John Eustace is an outstanding coach. You know, huge respect for John, who's got a really, really bright future in the game. I've no doubt about that. You know, I've done a fair bit of coaching myself at the various age groups. So we've got staff who would do that with the first-team guys. and do So there's no problem there. But what, I, as I say, it's um, is a young guy, Sinclair. Anyone like that coming through, don't don't put too much pressure on him too early.
0: No, Fadi. My point was it was more what does uh, does Les ever fancy getting his boots on and, uh, and
3: joining in?
2: <laughs> well, couple, couple of injuries, I, I might make it offer to him, but. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> we'll okay,
3: Charlie. Sorry, finally to you. Yeah, no. no it's, uh, I just wanted to kind of play a bit of caveat to Finney there, and, and sort of mentioned that um, you, you know. There was obviously the speculation that we were trying to go after another attacking options, trying and reinforce the options we had available, and and of course, like like you mentioned again, the balance of trying to trying to um, you know play caveat and 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 play against you know our strikers strengths and weaknesses, and creating quite a, a wide um, a strike force with with a wide range of, of assets and, and attributes. But you know, in my opinion, obviously I'm I don't have the insight you do, Mark, and of course the knowledge and you know anything like it, but i I really did feel as though we needed um, another attacking option um, to just to try and just try and reinforce what we 've got. of course, you know you look at the players you 've got you know fantastic how good Willick and chair have been. but for me, the problem last night was of course, from my opinion and my opinion set up in the crowd that we haven 't really got the options to to put on there and change the game the two players for us, in my opinion, two number tens. Of course, Chair and Willick are the ones that change. You know that can that can make a pass that that can spin a game on its head or, or create a chance out of nothing. In my opinion, I don't feel as though we quite have the resources available on the bench, another number ten or someone of that sort of skill set to try and change a game. And and my kind of question coming around that. Of course, the window's done now, and that's behind us. We, like you said, we've got to work with what we get and try and mount uh, the the sort of charge promotion with with the, the fantastic um, dealer cards we've got. What what sort of um, Best position do you see Luke Amos in? Because of course we brought in Charlie Austin last night, and we and we've seen Luke Luke Amos came on obviously when we're two 2-0 no down trying to change the game. My opinion again, coming back to it, I've always seen him as more as a defensive midfielder, maybe a bit of box to box, but we've kind of seen in his his time, especially under your management, that the we've seen it. We kind of seen him play higher up the pitch and more attacking positions. Where do you see Luke Amos' best position?
2: I think Luke Luke came through. Don't forget, as at nineteen, making his Premier League debut. And he, he played not debut. He played for Spurs. At St. James's Park against Newcastle in the opening game of the Premier League season. Um, I took a Glasgow Rangers team down to play Spurs, at BT 23 Charlie, and he was he was head and shoulders the best player on the park. He was magnificent, just ran the show. And if you speak to Lee Wallace and Kenny Miller, they, they couldn't believe how good this young player was. Um, I think Luke obviously has, has suffered with the injury. I mean, look at it now, he's in the squad. I and when mean, you got somebody like, say Steph come in, we had Dom as well, obviously Sam Field now doing so well. How best do you use Luke's attributes? Technically gifted player, but he's got dynamic energy and intensity. When he closes down in training and in games, um, you you see it differently. You see that Premier League snap and and spark to get there. So sometimes when we, for example, play, um, think of a team, you you know, Housen might get Middlesbrough going, for example. The perfect man to stop Housen could be Luke Luke Yamos. That's not negative, because you know that when he wins a ball, he can then play from that higher position. He's got that ability. But to close down with such intensity and purpose and timing it is not an easy job, and he's got that in abundance. So, you know, that did that almost a defensive attacking role, if that makes sense, in snapping on a win at high up mm-hmm. the field is perfect for Luke. He can play as two eights. He can play, in, you know, when we play the three there with Steph and Ilias and Luke alongside him, for example, he can play that role. Can he drop deep and play alongside Steph or Sam Field? Absolutely. He's got all of that in his locker. Um, but you go back to your earlier point about another striking option. Don't forget the last couple of games, people like Gombol and Alna Dazelle and George Thomas, Sam McCallum are not even in the squad. You know, now if I said to you, we had games earlier in the season where Dom and Honor did really well for us in midfield. I'm sure the fans had no qualms whatsoever about those two guys starting for us. And yet they didn't even make the squad. Now, if you start adding two or three more to that and the, you don't have the injury situation, you're going to have five, six, seven players not even on the bus. And that's when that dressing room becomes very difficult to manage, especially at a time when you're getting everyone on board, when you're saying that we're in it together and they're going, I'm not even on the bus let alone in, not even on the bench I'm, I'm not even traveling you know i'm not even in the 20 so it, it's you got to make sure charlie that i hear you as a fan and listen it's when you say oh it's only my opinion opinions matter but it's just the fact that we've got to keep that balance right because one player one bad egg one disgruntled disheartened individual can really sell a dress room and there be many many dress rooms i'm down the country have been ruined by by that type of impact
3: yeah completely just want just to quickly just come on um of course, completely agree with what you said because the, 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 those names that you mentioned weren't even in the squad. Fantastic players, been tremendous for us this season. But what I find interesting is that our, I think our squad is—I think—is it the third lowest of number of players we've used throughout this season? Um, yep. Do you think that maybe that has that has been our strength? Do you think you like you so say you talked about that team unity and you, you know have had the consistency of that sort of team, or do you think that because um, I keep coming back to this balance in terms of that? It's it's been so great for us that you know we've had this unity, we've had this consistency, and and this sort of team spirit. Because you know, like you say, when you start leaving out those sort of individuals, it kind of creates this a bit of a toxic environment. Or do you think it's then meant that it's maybe we maybe come detriment in terms of the fixture scheduling, where we've you know we've we've used just this, this um, lower number of players. What's the sort of again? I keep on mentioning the balance, but I'm I'm always has, very. Has that charged. been our strength this year or?
2: Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think um, I'm very... I apologise to Paul in advance here for mentioning another West London club that's close to us that I shouldn't mention, but I'm using it as an, as a, an answer to your question. When Brentford was second to Bournemouth at, around Christmas time, um, we had used the lowest number of players in the country, us and Bournemouth. We were first and second in the championship. We had used the lowest number of players in the country. And I think at the end of the season, we'd used the lowest number at 92 league clubs. Um and yes, you can say you're lucky with injury, and maybe the fixture schedule pre-pandemic, obviously a few years ago, was nowhere near quite as demanding. But I can reel off, I know I could sit there and go, right, button and goal, and you had Bayou, you had Bidwell as fullbacks, you had Dean and you had Tarkowski, you had Douglas, and you had Judge, and you had Pitchard, you had Yachty you had Gray, and you had Dallas, you had Foreshaw. And and it was almost like bang, 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 bang. The unity was so tight, the togetherness, the desire. And I'm not saying that about another West London club. I'm just saying that that can really work. That can really work. And of course, the post-pandemic demands now this game every three days. We need more than that, of course. But if you start getting all these players in, more forwards, more attacking players. So you say to Elliot, I'm resting you and I'm resting you. You just said to me, "Why?" Was, an earlier question from Chris was, why was Luke rested after the Reading game? Well, I've got four other boys to use as well. And suddenly you've got too many numbers, Charlie. So I think it's it's that word we used earlier, balance is key. Uh, and I hope very much that I, I'm always a, a fan of a tighter squad. You can get you can promote greater unity and togetherness with a tighter squad. Yes, you are you want to dip into the academy yeah. when you need when you need to, if you have injuries and suspension, but that tight squad, like any business, can really you know, they can do the job of more men. And I'd rather, I've always used these up, I'd rather one guy on, on 50 grand a year who does a fantastic job than three guys on 35, for example, or just do an average job and turn up. You want that guy to push and, and really keep pushing boundaries all the time. And I hope very much, as I say, the title squad does that. But we've got to make sure that balance is right and we have strength in depth if needed. And I think, touch wood, we do have that. And I just had
1: one thing. I hit Chelsea a lot more than hit. for instance. Yeah, I did.
2: So I was, I was almost just halfway, Paul, for you. But you get you get my drift.
1: I'm, And Brentford's technically Middlesex, as far as I'm concerned.
2: <laughs> I'm not getting drawn in there, Paul. <laughs> to uh,
1: Niall?
0: <clears throat>
4: yeah, I just, um, I mean, you're talking a lot about kind of the tightness of the squad and the training and everything. And I I mean, I, you know, I'm interested in kind of the financial side of things. It's kind of, you know, where my job is and what I like to look at all the time is spreadsheets and numbers as a, as a fan base, we've just spent what 6.8 million pounds of our money on the training ground. I think altogether it's going to be about 20 million. How much kind of input are you and your coaching team having into how the training grounds being developed, the design of it and everything going into it so that it's, you know, spot on for your purposes and for our purposes.
2: I think I've got to answer this in the right way, so please understand where I'm coming from here. I was previously asked to to input into two training grounds, and managers get sacked before the training grounds are even at the completion stage. (laughs)
4: That's the truth of it. So
2: I'm not being rude in any way, but if I'm asked, absolutely, I give I give everything I I can do. But right now, there's a very good chance that managers are are sacked long before they get to enjoy the fruits of any labour. So it's, um, for me, Les, obviously with his experience and the board, Lee who's has done an outstanding job as well. Um, those guys will drive that and, and know what the club needs in terms of the academy, the first team. Of course, we need the offices and everything that comes with all the support network. But right now, my input will be limited just because common sense tells you it's the right thing.
0: OK, I'm just going to rattle off on a couple more of these Twitter questions and then we can just go around because I know you've got to go in about 10 minutes or so. OK, so David Weber thinks we're playing too much football in our third of the pitch.
2: Thank you, David. One minute one minute, we're building up nicely and everything's good. And um, I refer back to my first season when we popped it out from the back and I got this hollow of abuse on the left-hand side of the dugout telling me, "Get lump it long. What are we doing, you use? And then the next minute we have gone pop, bop, pop, And you would stand up there applauding and you go, football game, come on. You know, I think, yes, I would agree. I think, all, all joking apart, I think we've um, been a little bit laboured in moving the ball when we could take one less touch and shift it quicker and pass firmer. Because, as I say, I think that's when we're at our best when we do that. So I couldn't disagree over the last recent games. But the boys know you've seen the quality they possess. And and if it's not on to lump it forward, we recycle it. That's what we say. Can't go forward, go square. Can't go square, go back and recycle and start again and, and trying to keep the ball. So I hope, Chris, that answers that question in a roundabout Brilliant.
0: way. Yeah. Um, now, one of our younger listeners, George, uh, says, how do you feel about parachute payments where teams like Bournemouth can almost buy a promotion?
2: It's a, it's a great question for me, a young supporter. I think everyone knows the problems being created by parachute payments. When parachute payments are bigger than most teams' budgets or, or way in excess of most teams' budgets, you know you have an issue. Um, and you're seeing the top of the championship and, and the spending power these clubs have. And then you combine that with other clubs who push boundaries because of the desperate urge to get to the Premier League and the Promised Land. There's no doubt parachute payments are a real issue. In my mind, something has to be done. Otherwise, as each year goes by, it's going to become less and less of an even playing field.
0: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. OK, a couple of funny ones to end, the Twitter one. So Darren Mag says, do you wish you'd come on the podcast a couple of weeks ago instead? <laughs>
2: <laughs> great question, yeah. Oh, yeah, great question. I can't answer that, absolutely. But fingers crossed, we have a good two weeks. i come on in two weeks' time and uh, I can yeah. answer that again.
0: Yeah, I've got to say, I mean, we, we put a tweet out just say because somebody said, made that similar joke, and, I, and we put a tweet out saying, you know, fair play to him. You know, you could have just said, made up an excuse. But I, I think everyone's in agreement, you know, that fair play to you for coming on after you've had a bad result. I think we all appreciate that.
2: All right, so what I think it's to those people's that. The fans to be honest with you, Mark,
1: I was expecting you to come back with, I'm washing my hair.
2: <laughs> 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 if I had any hair to wash, Paul, that could have been my excuse. <laughs> okay, so last
1: Thank you for coming on, by, sorry, Chris. No, thank you for coming on. And we're not we're not blowing smoke up your eyes or anything. But it would have been easy to swerve us. We do appreciate, it. and we hope the fans listening. We're asking the kind of right questions. We don't want to be rude. We don't want to. Um, we're still proud of what the team's doing. We want to get that across. But I, I do understand the frustration, and hopefully uh, I, you do as well.
2: Oh, thank you for that, Paul. Let me tell you the truth. But I I heard one of your earlier podcasts, when I think you said, Paul, that the manager got the arse was the exact expression that you used about a, a question that was asked. But that's that's right. I think a manager has to, de- you know, if he feels f- firmly about something, I should come back at you guys as well with what how I feel. Yeah. I that's that's what debate's all about. It's always respectful, but I think sometimes fans ask questions and they don't be in, they're not privy to what I am or John and the st- the guys are. So sometimes I can fire back, but you understand why? I hope. Yeah, of
0: course.
1: Absolutely. Th- that was Clive, by the way.
0: no one likes a grass ball Um, okay (laughs) the last Twitter question comes from Alex who says first of all he says he's your biggest fan he says if there was a WWE Royal Rumble with all 24 Championship managers how would you do who would win it and who would come last
1: (laughs) Mm,
2: that's a big I'll tell you what I'll come back on in a couple of weeks I'll answer that question properly (laughs) i I need to give that question the the cred the the merit that is a great word yeah okay fellas
0: listen we've got about five minutes left so is anything else anything else anyone wants to
2: ask mark i've got i've got nine minutes chris i've got got to jump off okay
3: yeah just quickly um how is lee wallace after obviously coming off last night a bit of worry because obviously sam mccallum's still out as well how's he doing now, Sam's doing well. Sam plays
2: 75. Um, so he'll be training with us. And, and again, he'll be available for selection, I think. But I did, in an ideal world, Charlie, he would have another 90 or A90. Um, but knees must. We'll see how Lee is. Um, he just felt niggling the gore and he sprinted back and just slipped at the end there and just tweaked it a little bit. So we'll see how the scan presents and, and hopefully nothing too, too serious. But that's, that's the demand of the games. You know, we're seeing players, if you remember, that's how Sam McCallum got injured and led to surgery when he sprinted back and stretched that ball and the hamstring popped. So, um, yeah, hopefully he's okay. We'll find out more in the morning.
1: It was quite bizarre, though, because where Lee went down, a few minutes later, Millwall player went down in exactly the same spot. So
2: yeah.
1: that was a strange... I don't know if it was suffering the grinder. there. Yeah, robot, often yeah.
2: it, it could be where they water the pitch, Paul, and that sounds really basic, but it's where they, they, they come out and you see them the automatic sprinklers and they do, it's always wet around, obviously, it's wet around where they are, and you're dead right. Players go down in the same spot, roll over. It was where the couple of boys got wax right there. But it's their footing is, is difficult or the footing changes. They lose their balance and they pay the consequence. So, as I say, I hope with Lee it's not too not too serious.
0: Um, I'll just jump in with one. Just uh, Obviously, we've got another big game. And they're all big games, I know. Uh, on, on Saturday, we've got Hull. Um, have you got in, in your head uh, uh, who you're going to have? In the, I'm clearly you're not going to tell us, but what, what's, what sort of lineup you're going to have injuries permitting?
2: Yeah, I, I have, because I think obviously we, we, there's some enforced changes in terms of Rob, et cetera, uh, and Lee. See how he is. If he's available, great. But if not, there's there's two immediate changes we've got to look at. And every position, Chris, really, you've got to study it. You know, go back to Paul was going to ask about Senny and, and David David coming in, and they've both done so well. You know, Senny is our, our number one. He's our permanent keeper. Absolutely. And I spoke to David, he's such a, an honest professional. I said, when you go away with Scotland what did you expect when you come back? And he absolutely expected to play. That's his, you know, that's his honesty and his and his professionalism. Now he goes, I absolutely expected expect to play. But at the same time, as a manager, it's that consistency of making sure players are rewarded for doing well. If you work your socks off every day and there's no chance of ever getting in the team, there's a point, Chris, where you go, oh, I can't be arsed anymore. But and, and we don't ever want to get to that point. So, you know, in terms of the team for Saturday, you go through every position, what's right, you know, do, do we shift it around? Do we, do we play Chrissy Willick as a left wing back? So you to straight away Sam McCallum, or does Moses swap over? Good thing about Murray, he, he can play on both sides for us. And, and unfortunately for him, we shift him about all over the place. But, you know, he can do that job. But do we go brave and, and use Chrissy in the left wing back as, as a chance to get another forward player on, for example? So I, I've got an idea what we want to do, because Hull went to Sheffield last night at a, good, a really good away point. They've been battling. They've got some good quality in their ranks. Do not underestimate any team in this division. So um, I'll have a look at it tomorrow. We get a clear, John, sit down with John and the staff. We all, I always ask what they think. And as I say, John and I have a very close relationship in terms of the team. So, um, yeah, I'll have a good idea by by the time it comes around.
0: Okay. Paul, I know you don't like to to talk much, but is there anything uh, you'd like to ask <laughs> before he goes?
1: <laughs> You know what? I'm actually. I was just thinking. I, I, I'm going to give my last question to Noel because I've asked quite a few. So I'm going to have my number to Noel.
2: Paul, I've got. I've got six minutes, Paul. All
1: right. In that case, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you're a good. Alan. Your man from PSG's under free transfer, Messi's not doing well. I mean, I'm not being funny, Mark, but that's a terrible transfer window to let them to just, you know, <laughs> not tell them on free contracts as well.
2: I know. I thought was slack on our part, if I'm honest with you, Paul. Score with Paul must do
1: better. But on a serious question, though, I, I, and I know we're keeping on about it, but the away support has been brilliant this season. The home support is um is building, it's it's getting there. And have you got a message to the fans that you'd like to to say, basically?
2: Paul, yeah, I'll, and please, I hope this comes across in the right way. I, the, a couple of home games, it's almost been a bit subdued. And when the, when the stadium is rocking, it can have such a massive impact. You guys have been there year after year after year. I, I go back to 1976, where it was when the place was absolutely alive because they were fighting Liverpool at the top of you know, the old League One or Division One. But when, it, when the stadium is like that, it can have such an impact, especially when we're on the front foot and we're attacking, they almost suck the ball into the next second half. So, you know, when it does go quiet, I'll say against Middlesbrough, that was the first time, if I'm just speaking honestly, I was saying we really need the fans to be louder here. We really need them because Middlesbrough were good. We were a little bit below par. We got the goal uh, and they come back with it just before halftime and we needed the fans. That's the impact they can have, Paul. So, we're always grateful. You know, it's never taken for granted. I always say it in the programme notes. I've done it again in, in the whole City programme notes. But the impact they can have is so significant. I don't want to underestimate it.
0: Yeah, I, I think oh. I, I felt the same thing against, against Middlesbrough. I can't, couldn't put your finger on it, but it just, it, well, yes, yeah, subdued is, is the right word. I don't know if maybe it's nerves because everyone knew it was such a big game. And, you know, it's. It's sort of almost, you're
2: sort of stunned into silence a bit. But yeah, it was, it was. And cool. Chris, it, it, it's a bit like, it felt like we got beat 3 yeah. 0. When you're doing the press, you're walking after the game and they're, they're all heads down and, I Mark. And you're going, yeah. And they go, well, <laughs> two big drop points. And you go, well, we're still six ahead of them. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> it's like, come on, boys, you know, it, it's they're a good team. You look at their the, what they've got in their ranks, you look at their, go back to Charlie's question, they're attacking options, you look at their experience, look at McNair, you look at Fry, etc. you look at what they've got, Grant Hall's on the, in, in, on the bench, so they've got a really strong squad, Yeah, Dyke Steel on the right-hand side, so they're a good team, so I think that was an important point for us.
0: Okay, okay, Niall, uh, as Finney generously donated his question, um, over to you, we've got two and a half minutes.
4: <laughs> no pressure then. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I was just. I mean, it's kind of. I guess related to the crowd and the way that. Um, I guess the feeling at Loftus Road when when the game starts, we always we seem to have kind of slow, slightly slow, sluggish starts, and it's like the crowd take a while to get into it. The players take a while to get into it. I mean, do you think that's one feeding from the other, or do you think that there is an element of? kind of, you know, just getting going the way that we play. We like to kind of set ourselves up and, you know, kind of get our formation going and get the passes wow. moving and get the feel of the day kind of thing. No,
2: we can't. I'll jump in now because we can't afford to be slow starters. Mm. Last night, Mill could have a one up in 48 seconds or something. Um, we can't be slow starters. We, You know, we've got to come out with a good warm-up. The boys are ready. The dressing room, there's some really good characters you have to go first to last whistle. You know, you can lose the game very quickly in this division. So, yeah, no, I, I hear your point. I think we've got to recognise our responsibility to start games on the front foot in a really positive manner and hope very much that the fans can build the atmosphere before that first whistle, that one, one assists the other, if that makes sense. Yeah,
4: and yeah. Because uh, it's that know. dichotomy between kind of with the reading game where we did come out all guns blazing and then you know a few other games where we kind of seem to want yeah. to grow into it if you know what i mean And then, but then ah, you know the second half we come out absolutely guns blazing as if it's
2: uh i honestly believe and i could be completely wrong here i honestly believe that teams come and work so hard in the first half to stop us you know i think about the coventry game where They were on top in the first half. They worked tirelessly. And we maintain the ball and move the ball and teams get tired. And then you see us finish games very strongly. And and I think that's just where teams have hit a wall almost. That's why I was disappointed last night. I think Millwall spent a lot of energy in that first hour. And we should have had the, um, we we have the ability, not should have, we have the ability to have taken better care of the football and hurt them last night with better movement of the ball. And we didn't do that. And we didn't, that, that's why I was so frustrated for, for many reasons, but that was one of the big frustration points. Um, mm-hmm. But as I, th- I think teams try and stop us playing nile and we wear them down. And that's why we had these strong finishes. Think mm-hmm. of Barnsley, 2-0 down, could have been three. And at the end, we equalised with Charlie and it could have neat it. So that almost sums up QPR.
0: Brilliant. Well, you spot on yeah, That's usual, impeccable timing because that is bang on when you've got a leave, Mark. So thanks ever so much for joining us. And as, a, as just to reiterate, yeah, you could have easily ducked out of this one, but um,
2: no. Listen, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate the invitation, Chris. Always welcome to come on. And as I say, it. Uh, I hope when we fire back, sometimes it's taken the right way.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Thank have a good evening, Thanks See very much.
2: Thank you, Mark. Bye yeah,
1: day, bye. Well,
0: Fair
1: play to him. Well, I'm glad he's gone. We can really talk about it now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, we're, we're going to get people saying, why, aren't you, why weren't you harder? Why didn't you say this? Why you say-? I think we asked what we probably could ask without going into being rude territory. I hope people, people can make their own minds up in that interview. I'm not going to tell them one way or the other how to think so it's not our job. But I just hope they they feel that he can mourn and fair play to for doing that well I think
0: it's, it's, it's from my point of view it's not like i mean I, I think i agree you know the last two performances have been a little concerning and before that we might have got away with a couple against middlesbrough and Coventry but I think um we're still fourth in the league we're still yeah. five, there's still a five point gap to <clears throat> seventh place so it's you know if we if we just lost ten in a row then yeah okay maybe it's a different scenario but i think you know, some people have got things a little bit out of perspective, um, and I, you know, I'm the same as everyone else. I mean, I left the mm. ground last night, you know, pissed off. You know, we all did. You know, it's like um, well, hell and, I was with you. You're not a proper fan if you if you didn't. But at the same time, you know, you've got to you've got to dust yourself down and go again. You can't you can't go tearing into the manager just because of that. But that's only my opinion. I'm uh, sure. Yeah, no, is- <laughs> Sorry go yeah,
1: on now.
4: Yeah, I was going to say it's it, it's tough because I mean, you know from Peterborough onwards you know it's kind you know it's been a bit kind of you know are we doing what we should be but take a step back and look at where we are in the league how we're playing the fun basically that we're having going to games I mean Coventry was a riot and kind of you know just the way that we're playing is so exciting to watch most of most of the time that actually you know we're we're in we're in a decent position but you just need to step back and Rub your eyes really like after Middlesbrough. I was really pissed off, and it took a kind of couple of days to actually say, Well, hold on, actually, it's not so bad that,
1: yeah, yeah. I'll be and honest yeah. with you that, that if, if Wilder had gone to Middlesbrough for, for August, they would be romping this league They were, without a shadow, without the best closing down status in this league this season. Yeah. And you know, the, the players have got a frightening to be honest with you. Um, but who's to so say the, they're not
0: gonna have a who's to say they're not gonna have a wobble as well? Who's to say Forrest aren't? You know, mm-hmm. it's it's um the thing with this league is I mean even Fulham had, had a brief one. I mean clearly they're they're home and try now, but I mean Bournemouth Bournemouth did, which gave us the hope, and then Blackburn are having one of them now, West Brom had theirs. I mean, you know, I mean obviously clearly I hope that you know these last three games is our wobble and we get things back on track on Saturday. But you know, it's <clears throat> Middlesbrough might be one key injury away from you know Dropping points, and 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 as as he said, they've all got everyone's got to play each other in the few, next few weeks, so someone's got to drop points somewhere.
1: What did you say kind of a okay. think of it? I
3: yeah, no, just um, and kind coming of back to your point, Finney of you know, will people be thinking the right questions? Did we go hard enough? In my in my opinion, I, I I don't hold too much. Of course, there's no blame for Warburton but for me, the the route for you know these this three game dip. He's not really warburton i've got no i've got no drive in me to to sit on here and slag him off and ask you know why this why this why that my opinion i feel as though he was not back the transfer window he needed i know he's talking about there you know it, it's so demoralizing for players like don ball dizel those to be dropped out but at the same time you know it's not it's not a popularity contest we need to be getting players in there that can win us games when you've got, you know, we saw what it was like not having Willock. We have seen what it's like not having chair. And even last night, you have both chair and Willock. If they don't turn up, nothing happens in that midfield. And you look at that. I just got the bench up here. The attachment, you got your gray and Austin. And to me last night, the problem was in midfield. I think Sanfield was fantastic, but chair and Willock didn't really create enough. I thought your handsome was really flat. thought it was a really poor game for him last night, if I'm honest. And you look to the bench, you got Luke Amos and Jeff Hendrick. Um, you know, in my like, I like to touch one of my opinion. I don't really think Luke Amos is, is that. You know, he's not. got that skill set where he can go past three players and, and put Lindhikes through on goal, or he can get the goal himself. Neither Jeff Hendrick. You've not got options there in the center of the park that can change a game, that can create a chance out of nothing. So, for me, you know, we, there was rumors of of Patterson and and Tom Lawrence. They're the sort of players. That, you know, we need. I think in my we needed that one more number ten, that one more player that can turn the game on its head. And we haven't had that in the last couple of games. Will it got the knock? We were poor against. Um, I it was now. Uh, what was the one prior to last night? I've tried to forget, moving from my Barnsley. Barnsley, yeah, uh, and we saw we, saw, you know, that cost us, and we've been without chair. I just feel as though we haven't got the depth really in the, you know, in attacking numbers to, in, and I think it's hurt us in the last couple of games. So, in my opinion, that's been the root of the cause of the last three games. But um, of course, you know, and then you can you can play against the fact of well, we haven't had that uh, that other player to get us to the point where we are now. But this is the crucial point in the season now. And we are going to have these dips, but, you know, you need those experienced players to bring us out of it. And, you know, you'd hope Johansson, I think last night, it's those sort of moments where the team isn't really performing and you need your captain to sort of be that man in the centre of the park to to get the best out. And when he didn't really play well himself, I think that has a bit of a detrimental effect. So, you know, I'm hoping that the team can sort of pull itself together and, and really create a, a, a reaction on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I, could I... I I, I love hearing you you talk, Chris. That's why I talked to you so much last night. I was going to say, one of the reasons we got NAL on this week is to talk about the accounts. Um, Have you had a chance to really properly look at it, now and compare to other teams in this division? And are we being as well run on and off the pitch as we think we are? Or is it still room for improvement?
4: Um, I... (sighs) You know, I've never, uh, you know, I've got a spreadsheet in front of me with everything from 2009 going forward um, with QPR and, you know, comparing various things, salaries, how much we're spending on costs, you know, the um, salaries to kind of points and just things like that and just kind of little metrics that I like to kind of play around with and look at. And, I mean... You know, just looking at the bare numbers, in the last two years, we've made more profit on player sales than we have in the previous 11 years combined. Jeez. Um, things like that, which say, you know, we're moving in the right direction. You know, I remember, you know, a few years ago, people say, you know, why why we never sell any players? Why, you know, we, we buy players who are like 30, 31, have no sell-on value and things like that. You know, you can see the change around since... Um marks come in the average salary, or sorry, yeah, the average salaries drops like 21%. It's um, you know, it's it's a real big turnaround in the last three years, in part thanks to the way he manages the team and the way he's been able to put the team together. Um, and also in part because we're quite lucky we've got owners who are willing to make that change who suck up their mistakes basically and say you know I I messed up hold my hands up in the air I'm going to pay for it but we need to kind of move forward in a, in a proper way you know in the last year I guess you add in gate receipts we pretty much made a profit for the last year so you know things are their aim is self-sustainability you're not going to get there with a club our size, without selling players, and so you need to be running it the right way. You need to be bringing those players through. So, yeah, to answer your question, I think we're in a far better position than we've ever been in um, financially, and that seems to flow through to the rest of the club as well. Yeah,
1: I mean the, the wages at one stage were absolutely ridiculous, and we're probably half the team now probably at the wages of uh, one are well, for instance. You know, it's, it's, that's how much work has been done. But as opposed to other teams in the division, we're probably bottom five, bottom six in budgets. Would that be a fair enough thing to say? Or, or is that just press talk?
4: Yeah, no, I mean, well, we're certainly bottom half. I mean, I haven't gone into every team in the division. but Why not? You
1: know, well, <laughs> <laughs> we are not get you this podcast deal prepared.
4: That's my job. <laughs> there's a, a, a level of preparedness going
0: on there. You're a good
1: man. <laughs> so are, I, I guess on and off the park, we're overachieving. Maybe that's what's causing the confusion. Maybe that's what's causing people to get frustrated because there's so many years of pain. In yeah, yeah, them. yeah, exactly. So I, I guess that's why Middlesbrough was more angsty and more nervous than perhaps it could have been or should have been yeah i mean
4: we're, we're definitely punching without a doubt i mean if you look at all the teams around us and the players they've got you know it, most of the teams around us have one player that's worth at least six or seven of ours. so
0: yeah no it's a fair, it's a fair point it's it's also a fair point it's, it'd be interesting if we did if we did one of these podcasts immediately after the Barnsley game like literally uh everyone goes in or immediately after the Millwall game um and, and did it then? Because I suspect it'd be slightly different. You'd be there. The thing is, when, you know, once you, you know, every, no one's left the ground happy last night, apart, apart from the Millwall fans. But I think once you've had a day to reflect on things, and like you said about the running game, uh, about the Middlesbrough game, I think, you know, you, you, you can just and look at the table and you think, yeah, we lost. We've lost two in a row uh, and we're still fourth. So, you yeah, know, it's not too bad, is it? I mean,
1: don't get me wrong. Barsley and Millwall were dreadful. In the sense okay. of, you know, we, we know the team's that's the other thing. It's the hope that flipping kills you, isn't it? Yeah, we yeah. Know we, we, know we, we, know, we know we're better than that. Whereas before, year after year, match after match, we were just hoping to get a corner at some point. We were hoping that we could score a goal at some point. We hoped we wouldn't get embarrassed at some point. We took a, a drop in left, right and centre and that's not happening. So I guess it's, it's a beautiful thing that we've got belief, But with that comes expectations. But, you know, you can't, if it hadn't been for the mistake it was made on Saturday against Barnsley, we probably would have got a draw, which wouldn't have seemed so bad. But yeah, there was an awful mistake, an awful goal, and well, he hit it well. There's no two by about it. But, you know, it's just so frustrating because we know we're better than that. Do you know what I mean? It's That's where I get frustrated. And it must be more frustrating for someone like the, who's running the club and everything else. But, you know, I just hope we can poop holes to the sword. And, you know, someone made a good point on Saturday, actually. And we all knew it was going to happen. We were telling people on the train, don't bet on QPR to win today because mm-hmm. the stats are, are for us, but they're all stories of QPR that are massively against us. Um, but someone made the good point, and I, I, I thought "And sadly is that like, you know, at least where we are now, we can still dream. We're, it's not dead and buried. The stage is not over. I mean, how many times at this stage of February have we just been looking at the wrong end of the table or just looking at the mid-table and thinking we've got nothing to aim for? You know, we can still dream, and, and surely that's, that's something, I hope.
0: Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. Right, gentlemen, time for the R's end. Paul, I will, as is tradition, I'll let you go last. Um, Niall, should we start with you?
1: I love um, you,
4: Chris. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, I I think, you know, it goes back to the answer I gave to Paul earlier about um how well run the club is and how it's kind of reflecting on and off the pitch. There's um I know I know this isn't the Guardian football weekly, but I still feel that. I have to reference this, there's an article I tweeted out in the Financial Times, Um, there's an interview with um, uh, Ramsey and uh, Chris Ramsey and Les uh, talking about representation in football, black representation in football, and also just talking about, you know, about how how the club's being run. QPR is one of the most diverse clubs in the country, if not the most diverse club in the country it's something to be celebrated I think it's something it's a you know we should be proud of kind of what the club is what it's become and how it's being run at the moment you know not wanting to blow too much smoke up their asses, and not wanting to kind of evangelicalize about about it I mean you know we all love the club love the club dearly but it's um you know I think I think it needs to it needs to be noted that the people we've got running the club and the things they're doing for the club are doing it for entirely the reasons we'd be doing it as well if we won
3: the lottery and bought the club tomorrow, I think. Nice.
0: Nice one. Charlie?
3: Um, I would just like to put out a notice to um, the bloke who was in the brown coat, the black baseball cap last night, waiting outside South Bermondsey station, having a debate with his mate, if they'd like to put themselves forward so we can televise that debate that went on last night um, outside the, after the mall game. Uh, please get in contact because that was very far and very entertaining um one, one one calling for um Warburton to have been sacked was it in January, and they should have then beat the gun to get um chris wilder and if it was we'd have got Chris wilder, we'd have gone up and um yeah it was that was one opinion and it was um very contradicted by. This this well-spoken bloke in the uh, in the brown coat, who I completely agree with. But it was if anyone was there, I think it was um, it was it was dead silence. And there was just these two blokes just going at it, and it was very entertaining. I think Chris was behind me, and I think Clive was just around the corner as well. He was uh, everyone was just tuning in. It was a uh, very yeah. entertaining. So, yeah, if they, <laughs> they they to put themselves forward. If we could just listen to them debate again, it'd be uh, it'd be quite enjoyable. Oh mate, yeah, that was that was that was funny. Um, okay, so my one
0: as um, just a couple. First of all, shout out to Jack Fraser and his girlfriend Alex. Um, who insisted I share the cab with him at, at um, Moorgate last night? Because, unbeknown to me, the Northern Line wasn't running to London Bridge. Um, and as we got talking, turns out he's uh, he was on Sex on the Sex on the Beach, something I've never seen. But anyway. Um, but I said I'd give him a shout out, and he's also fighting in a celebrity boxing match on, on April the 3rd. So, yeah, shout out to Jack Fraser, insisted I, I didn't have to take any money. Uh, uh, I shouldn't give him any money and got me out of the hole. And The second one, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, I'm going to do it again because there'll probably be more people listening to this one. Um, uh, shout out to Tilly Chamberlain of Tilly's Prince, um, who does some brilliant QPR artwork, including a picture of my daughter and me at, our first, uh, at the fir- her first um QPR game, um, which I will post on the on, on the site this time. Um, she is at Tilly underscore QPR on Twitter. So yeah, that's it. That's my two over to you, Paul.
1: No, I, I second um, Tilly's prints are absolutely outstandingly wonderful, and um, you can tell that she loves the club because it comes across in everything she does. So good show, and um, very well priced as well as you will know, Chris. Yes, that's good. Um, may I say? I was a wee bit baffled last night. I mean, we're all there um, last night. Why did they all us back or Millwall back, whatever way you look at it, and then let everyone get the same trade? I, 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 I'm, no, I'm no strategic sort of safety person. In fact, probably the opposite, you know. Um, but that seemed rather strange to me. So, when the time we got back to the Bridge, it could have gone very, very bad, very, very quickly and very nastily because it wasn't good. You know, and I just I just basically laugh. You, you're sitting there for all that time and then they let you understand the flipping trade anyway. I mean, if anyone's got an insight into why that was, and I don't think there was that many police in the trade, was it Chris? Well, I didn't see it in our carriage anyway.
0: No, I mean, I think what happened was we were like the last, we, we were the last, so I don't know if you, other, the other fellas might have already gone by then, but you just had, what, what normally happens at Mill. you had like the police horse, and you had like a few, you know, all the Millwall fans behind. But yeah, so they they, they kept them at arm's length and then, yeah, just right everyone just pile on the same one. So you had all, we were all in the first few carriages. So they, they, I think most of them were in the M ones, but there was a few on our carriage. One of them was trying to uh, uh, go do I think, Paul, which obviously doesn't take much doing normally. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, we, we got off the train and it was all, you know, across the station. And yeah, it could have, because there was a, a couple of QBR fans I think wanted to get involved, but, you know, mercifully they didn't because it could have been carnage. Yeah, very, very strange. Um okay before we go, predictions, nearly forgotten then. Uh whole game, I'll go. Ah, oh, we got it, we've got we got a win. I'm gonna I'm gonna go three-one. Charlie.
3: Yeah, I think we've got about. I'm gonna go one 0 Just a one 0 I'll take that. I'll take so
4: anything. As I. Um I know we we need we need a response. I think I think it's gotta be 3 0
1: Yes. <laughs> cool. People depressed me now. It's, it's, it's kind of like I have to be the bad guy to say, oh, do you know what? I'll take a one nil off someone's arse or their um, unmentionables or a handball or a dodgy free kick or a dodgy. I'll take anything because the confidence needs it. But yeah, we, we need a reaction. We need a big time. And then we can, then this podcast can be put in the historic bin which says it wasn't great, but we got better.
0: Yes, exactly, and then we can uh, then we can get Mark Warburton back on to answer the uh, the Royal Rumble <laughs> question. Um, okay, right. Thanks ever so much for joining us. Thanks for listening, uh, and remember you can also watch it on Charlie's uh, Talking Rangers website.